Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello there. You've found yourself at the start of the very first episode of I'm a Writer But, a podcast that focuses on the work, writing, and personal lives of its subjects. Because what we make is such an essential part of who we are as writers, we're going to start each episode with some writing. And because this episode is sort of an intro to me, Lindsay, and my co-host Alex, you're going to be hearing a bit of our writing to kick off the episode. And even better, it's brand new work. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening. I'm Alex Higley. And I'm Lindsay Hunter. And And I'm I'm a writer. writer, They are everywhere, and thus you stop seeing them until you become one of them. Then you see that they are everywhere, and you are one of them. Sturdy calves or sturdy forearms or sturdy harnessed breasts, hair up in a ponytail or half ponytail or floppy bun or pinned excruciatingly back with zigzagging bobby pins, feet clad in shoes both comfortable and easy to put on, eyes asquint and knuckles white on strollers or fisted over tiny or sticky hands, teeth bared the way mothers have done for generations, for millennia, their ancestors charging across the plain or the desert or up the mountain, herding children to safety from mammoths or warring tribes or the honking Buick, nodding and encouraging and saying, gentle, gentle, and holding a scream in their throats until it grows into them, becomes a part of their voice so that when they speak, their children hear it, their partners hear it, the cashier holding out the streamer of coupons hears it, that scream that these mothers are not allowed to unleash, for it would terrify and paralyze, and everyone who listens is left with the impression that these mothers have tamped something down, something inherent and crucial and primal. And there is nodding and sighing and eye rolling at how sad these women's lives are, how trapped. And it is true that these women are not free. They can't dart into the department store to try on a halter top. They can't shoplift idiotic dangly earrings on a whim. They cannot have loud sex with their partners in the shower. They cannot leave their shrieking children on the floor of the tampon aisle. They are held to the earth, rooted where they stand, fixed in place by the children they hold in the never-ending groceries and the taunting laundry and the mantra of what is for dinner? Dinner is what? What is for dinner? And the fear that they are doing all of it wrong and that someone is watching them fail and yet they sheathe the very thing that could cut the world to shreds hearts in their throats they could spit blood but they do not rarely they do 
see them, get closer, crossing the street, pushing a stroller and holding a toddler by the hand, one shoulder hunched up to the ear to hear every third word from the smeared phone mashed to their faces, the smudgy canvas slip-on shoes and the flowy skirt and the old t-shirt and the few elements of personhood, the bright red hoop earrings or the dusting of bronzer on the locket that the baby will yank until the clasp breaks and it will tumble unnoticed into the clay dust of the softball field where the toddler is digging for treasure. Notice these things. They are choices and they were made by these mothers. Cave drawings, tally marks, graffiti, signal flares. I was here. I am here. In fact, they could shoplift the thing, fuck their partner wherever they please. They could leave the children. They could strike the children. They could starve the children or ignore the children. They could be their own mothers whose syrupy love embarrassed them or whose attention held fisted as a wooden spoon had the sharp stink of disgust or whose eyes never touched down upon them were always searching out windows or over shoulders or whose teeth feathered with lipstick dandruff on her sweater or whose neglect was a tightly held secret or else. They could reach back and back and grab whatever will be held by them. And because they could do these things, they already have done these things. How are you, someone will ask. Oh, the answer will begin. The mother may stare off. She may immediately become distracted. Her little one is trying to climb a tree. Her little one is stomping a pile of red ants. She may laugh. She may answer, fine, you. Or she may tell you the truth. And this is where mothers get a bad rap. Because do you really want to know how she is? Do you? Maybe it isn't that mothers are perceived to have no inner lives. Maybe it's that they have them, but they are no longer private. Mothers have no boundaries and how embarrassing. See that one. Her child is pulling her shirt down and slapping her breasts. See that one. Her child is at the top of the climbing thing and she is not making a move to help him. See that one openly flirting with that hot dad. This one choking back tears forever spilling over. Mothers may as well run naked and weeping through a football game and call it a day. There is no privacy, and in exchange there is loneliness, as bright and relentless as the sun. Their mothers tried to warn them with their distance or their rage or their secrets. Whose fault was that, they wonder, stirring something, wiping something. They squint, they mutter. How did it happen? They laugh, they sigh. Ben received a small severance package. He had worked in the office for four years and for those four years would receive two months pay. He was fired on an idyllic Friday morning in June in the city of Chicago. Ben's back faced the shining lake as he sat in his boss's office and learned details of the separation. He knew as he was being fired that he would not tell his wife, he would not tell Tara. He would avoid telling Tara for as long as was possible. He would lie, then continue to lie and deceive to perpetuate his original lie of not telling her that he had lost his job. He did not want to lie to her, but the alternative, honesty did not occur to him. Too damaging. He did not want to disappoint her, fill her with more doubt, cause her to worry more about him than she already was. Not that he was afraid of Tara, not particularly, not any more than was reasonable, not any more than any man is afraid of his wife. Ben's hope was to find another job, another solution, and present that to Tara as good news, a surprise, obscuring the deception and however long it had lasted. But he was not afraid of her. There were disagreements, sure, but those were due to being human, dropped like rag dolls into the churn of dailiness, rerouted and scuttled by eddies unseen, often much less than that, TV, impatience, a hot room, an awful childhood face remembered. Ben could rarely recall what led to their disagreements and was bested in any argument, ultimately resembling a neutral spectator in a dazed late afternoon crowd, leaning against the counter in their kitchen, defeated but present. 
Ben was not universally dim. He could quip about passerby. He wasn't fixed in his thinking on most topics, but he did have a submerged quality, like his disposition was formed by being taken under daily by a surging river and grasping towards the surface deadpan. Fuck this again. It wasn't exactly that dramatic. Momentum from elsewhere always seemed to guide him. This seemed true of his consciousness, his interests in any conversation, his pursuits, his attitudes, his ability to love. Of course, this was a choice. It was easier for Ben to claim everything was beyond him because he had accomplished, to his thinking, nothing. An embarrassed man you might like, might not. Embarrassed because he knew he could not actually carry out the schemes of his own devising, whether it be a lie, any lie, an attempt to change, an attempt to win. The persistence of Ben's belief in himself was flickering, forgetful. It was easy, though, to live embarrassed and allow yourself to be misunderstood by those who don't really know you as humble, patient, wise, content. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Good break. That was wonderful. I remember reading that and being as blown away as I am now. Um, it's fun to hear readings. I like, I, I honestly have not even been able to make so many of these zoom readings, even though they're like, so I know everywhere just cause you know, work or whatever. So it's fun just to sit here and hear you read. It is really fun. I, I really miss that. And I am someone who has really whittled down my, uh, leaving the house to almost nothing totally, even before yeah. the pandemic. But that was one of the things that when we first went into lockdown, I felt really terrified about like, Oh, mm -hmm. oh my God, I'm not going to be able to go out to readings. What? No, yeah, and it's I, crazy. I kind of ran to my Instagram live and was like, I'm going to read on Instagram live. <laughs> I remember. I totally remember. And then there's like kind of a terrifying moment where you join and you're like, Oh God. Yeah. She's right here with me. It's like, but yeah. I know. And, and uh, classic, my technology life, it crashed midway through. So <laughs> I just kept reading. I had no idea. And then I looked up and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah. but um, no, it's really fun. It's really great to hear just, you know, number one, that other people are, you know, out there making stuff despite yes. and because of what we're going through. Right. Um, but I guess we should introduce ourselves. Sure. Um, I'm Lindsay Hunter. And I'm a writer, but <laughs> I guess I should say <laughs> I'm a writer and I have three children um, and a dog. And, uh, you know, I often, when I am introducing myself to new friends, new acquaintances, I, I say, I stay home with the kids. And then I spend the whole rest of the conversation thinking of how I can work in that I actually also write. Mm -hmm you know, in a real way and um, feeling, you know, like, like it's such a struggle to, to um, get that in um, because the, the amount of work that I'm able to do on a daily basis is, uh, you know, not as much as what I would in my younger years have considered a quote real writer to have been getting done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm Alex Higley. I am a writer and um, <laughs> a father, a dad, uh, two little girls and a dog as well. Although a much smaller dog than Lindsay's. Um, and I can, <laughs> I never say that I'm a writer when I meet people and uh, 
similar to what you're saying, I feel like because then it becomes a conversation about, it's almost like immediately like a justification thing, like where it's like, you do have to kind of, it's like, well, what did you read lately? And then you try and find common ground on that as a way into talking about what your writing is or what it means to you, to, to mm -hmm. me, to write. And mm -hmm. it's so hard to find common ground with so many people. When you're surprised, it's the best thing. When it is someone who's a reader and mm -hmm. in a reader of maybe similar stuff or stuff at least that I can have lie and talk about, mm -hmm. it's amazing. But when there's no common ground, it's kind of defeating, I feel like. So mm -hmm. I try not to mention it. I just say I work at a grocery store and try and go to the other corner or something. So mm -hmm. I used to... Um... I think especially around the time that I was pregnant with my third, which was a surprise. And after I had her, um, it felt like something I really needed to hold on to, even though nothing, you know, I didn't have time to write. I just, I had yeah. no time at all to write. Um, so I remember being super desperate to work it into conversations. I wanted people to know that I had this other side of me um, because I think I was coming into the conversations assuming oh, you hear that I stay home with my kids. So you have this certain idea of me. And I think that's part of why I wanted to read what I read today because, totally. um, you know, I think it's, it, it is a common thing for people to think about parents, um, you know, we're smug or we're, um, you know, small minded or we're obsessed with our families and that's it. <laughs> or, you know, like we don't, um, we don't pursue these, intellectual endeavors because we're, you know, wiping applesauce out of the cracks of our toes or whatever, you know, like, um, so I, you know, I wanted people to know, like, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a professional. Right. <laughs> I'm a mother, but I'm a I'm professional. A mother, but yeah. I, yeah. And I feel like it's, I feel like it's probably so much harder on moms than dads because, I think a lot of times that question becomes gendered right away. And it's mm -hmm. like, I mean, I can usually, I can usually get away with saying, you know, just saying what my job is and they can maybe see that there's not a lot much more. I mean, that, you know, I enjoy it, but whatever it's, it's my job and mm -hmm. we can move on and I can kind of hide behind that. But mm -hmm. if you're saying you're watching your kids, I feel like there's a whole nother level of, of assumed judgment maybe mm -hmm. as well as, potentially real judgment that you're having to deal with that I certainly don't think I have to deal with the same level but yeah yeah I think I come to any sort of conversation this is this is a problem I should work out in therapy I think um is I come to any conversation already trying to assume what people are thinking so I can circumvent mm -hmm. that somehow and yeah. I end up blurting things out that you know <laughs> no, totally. um that have nothing to do with what we're talking about Right. It's like, why, where's that weird energy coming from that you just gave me like so heavily? <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know. Sorry. In my head all day. Yeah. Yep. I know. I think that's a, that's how writers are, you know, mm -hmm. like um, the scene is set and I want to execute it the way I think people are expecting me to do it. Totally. And, you know, no, the, 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 one of the most common things I think people think is, especially when a woman says I'm a writer, they think, okay, blogger mommy blogger oh i oh my god i wouldn't even thought of that which shows a lot i guess which i mean you know i i read mom blogs and totally. would love to be a mommy blogger um but i you know that there was one example of what you're talking about alex my neighbors when they moved in across the street i 
immediately worked into the conversation. I'm a writer. You know, I was like nine months pregnant with my third at the time. And she asked me, you know, like, what do you write? And I told her, and my latest book had been in the book of the month club. Yeah. And she had, she had just read it. <laughs> oh my God. She was like, what? That's you. That's crazy. And that was, that's like the highlight of, you know, my life, I would say, aside from my children. Of course. <laughs> Did she, did she pull out anything that was like, did she, how did she like progress in that conversation or, or was it like so shocking that it was just like, what? I mean, well, I, again, and then I come to, I, I come to conversations assuming that people who have read my stuff are disappointed in it. <laughs> oh so I, I, I guess I, I thought, oh man, you know, like that was kind of a, like a brave choice for book of the month club to choose. You said like, that? Well, in my head, that's what I believe. Oh, oh, oh okay. Um, and so, and then, you know, like I followed them on Instagram and I saw what people were saying and, and, you know, usually people are not that nice online and um, people were saying bad things about it. So I thought, oh my God, you know, oh no, she also hated it, but she, you know, I, I kind of broached the subject with, oh, you know, um, it was an interesting pick for them. And she was like, you know, book of the month club every once in a while, they make the edgy choice. And that's the kind of books I like. So love that you're standing there pregnant and she's <laughs> having to reconcile eat only when you're hungry with this <laughs> pregnant woman in the street. That's the best. Uh, that, I love that so much. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, no, but it is, it's hard to navigate um, how like, what that that identity or persona or like performance even means on a day-to-day -day basis because I think I perform it like in my house mm -hmm. you know it's like mm -hmm. okay here's my time with my computer while we're also watching tv and I have headphones on and I'm gonna get 20 minutes of work done onto this and it's three sentences or whatever but yeah like even showing the other people in the house like okay here I am this is it I think I don't know it adds up yeah that's the thing um it took me a long time to understand that I had to take myself seriously because I, I, I have this very um, real self-conscious feeling that I, I don't make any money taking care of my children. So I have to, um, it's, it's, in my mind, it's wrong of me to take away any time or put anything on my husband just so I can go off and, and write or go off and do this. Mm -hmm. um, and I, it took me a long time to understand. And maybe that's just like becoming an adult in general. I, you know, I was thinking tonight, I, um, I was a child until I had children, you know, mm -hmm. and, oh, and yeah. I think that extends to um, understanding that once that happens or once any major thing in your life happens and your time gets you know, winnowed down to a precious hour or something um, that you start taking that really seriously or you don't, you know, like it's a mm -hmm. choice you have to make. And lots of people make the other choice that, you know, right. it's just not that important to me. And um, I tried that on for sure. Um, mm -hmm. Thinking like, why am I fighting so hard for this? When, when did you try that on? I'm um, I think, well, I think when I got pregnant with my third, it was a real, mind fuck mm -hmm. and i'm i apologize because alex and i agreed not to not to too too much profanity and when this. you were reading i literally I thought know. don't say my real reaction if we were in a, yeah i literally thought okay beep, yeah censor I, yeah. I i and there's some foul language in what i read as well um 
So I apologize. We will do better. But uh, I just thought, um, like, oh, like maybe your destiny is this instead. You know, like if you have to fight this hard, it's like I think writing in general is something you have to continually talk yourself into or remind mm. yourself why it's so important. Um, and for me, that changes over time. So like when I was first starting out, it was, well, I, I really enjoy this and I think I'm kind of good at it and I just want to see, you know, and I couldn't even like name what my ultimate dream would be. I just thought like, I'm going to start, I'm going to take this seriously. And so I'm going to start, you know, I'm going to go to night classes and then MFA. And then <clears throat> after that, after I graduated MFA, it was another conversation I had to have with my have with myself because I saw some of my classmates going into the workforce and just kind of, you know, like not pursuing what we had been studying, you know, at grad school. Mm -hmm. And I had to decide again, like, no, this is something that I really want to keep doing. So I'm going to keep doing it and whatever that looked like at the time, you know, like mm -hmm. trying to get published in smaller journals and reading out. And then once parenthood came along, um, you know, it, it fundamentally changes everything. And I fought against that. I fought against, you know, people asked me in interviews like, oh, how has motherhood changed you? Or has motherhood changed you? Or is it changed? And I just was like, no, how dare you ask me that? That's a gendered question. Do you ask that of fathers, you know, and no, it hasn't, mm -hmm. you know, like I'm still me. And I am, I think, you know, I, I, I'm, I think what I would, what I write would still be considered dark or gross or something. Um, unrefined. Um, so that's still there, but, but it, cha it absolutely changes you. It changes mm -hmm. you from your toes up, you know, like mm -hmm. that's the second toe reference in this yeah, let's podcast. Let's keep going with it. Let's go for four. Let's see how many more I could go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you try to work it in too. I, I already um, have one going. Okay. <laughs> anyway, but it was, it's, it's something that I've had to, cause it breaks your heart over and over and over again, you know, mm -hmm. and it's, um, and, uh, but, but without it, I think my, um, I think part of me dies and I, I'm not that's a good mom. I feel. Yeah. That's, that's, I, I feel like I can't, I feel like I can't think if I'm not working on something because I, it's tied up into what makes me happy on a day-to-day -day basis. And, you know, my, my day job is so disconnected from writing, um, that it's, it's super easy for me to go to work, punch the clock and, you know, then at the end of the day, just come home and it, it feels like everything is super cordoned off and compartmentalized in my life. And I think a lot of people, I know a lot of people feel that way. I've had, I mean, you and I have talked about it and, um, and I think, yeah, like you said, kind of finding that thing that allows you to get it done in any way, whatever that means. And, for it to have meaning to you separate from separate from a goal, separate from publishing or having anybody read it is super difficult when you're, yeah, also worried about the food on the ground that yeah. was just thrown or, 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 or you know, oh. like being, being like able to be a, a spouse at the same time because that time when you're, you know, when the kids are in bed or when you're home from work and the kids are in bed, it's like, it's like, okay, clock's just starting or clock's been running since you woke up. But um, yeah, I, finding that kind of thing that's going to keep you working on it um, 
Definitely. And it ebbs and flows. I mean, the thing that the, the opening page of the thing that I, I read tonight, like I was always writing short stories, short stories. And then, and there was such like a high to like, okay, you know, even if, even if 50 people read this online, it's like, it's so fun to like, just put one out into the world or whatever, no, no matter how small the journal. And then when you work on something longer for a while, it's so hard to, I feel like that has been a lot harder as a parent. Um, it's the longest thing I've done, but at the same time, it's like, Oh my God, I still have to be alive to this thing to make it work. And that can be kind of <laughs> deadening <laughs> at times. It is. And, and it does, you know, like, I sometimes cringe thinking about all the time I used to have that I wasted, mm. you know, I, I, uh, I wasted so much time. But most people wouldn't look at what you put out before you had kids and like quickies and, and think the same thing. I mean, I know what you're saying, but if you, if you look at those books, if you look at, I mean, daddy's was before kids. Well, what else was before kids? Um, don't kiss me. Mm-hmm. These are just shameless plugs at this point, but my yeah, first. Yeah, let's just name them all. We had one <laughs> called first... Toes. <laughs> That's my next one. Right. Um, my first two books were collections of stories, Daddies and Don't Kiss Me. I wrote those before I had kids. Ugly Girls, I wrote partly while I was pregnant with my first and partly after he was born. Because it's dedicated to your first son, right? I remember that. Or is that, is that what's the first book? I remember the dedication, whatever the first one after crushing me because it's so it's like everything is all of this will be for you or every i'm trying to think what the word i think in eat only when you're hungry i in my in my acts my acknowledgements i think i i said i live to make you and your little brother proud that's what it is yeah um because i had two kids at that point and then um now that i am a mother of three i've written two and a half books but they have not as yet been purchased by anyone um but uh i forgot what my point was there Mm. Mm. oh i was talking about time right Uh, but i think once you once you decide again and again you know like this is important to me like you're saying Mm. and i have these very real sections of my life that also require my full focus Mm. like a, a different kind of focus but you know, like things you can't really mail in, Mm -hmm. um, then you realize I'm going to give that same focus to this major part. And, and it really is for me, my mom, um, always wrote and still does. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. She, she wrote like a children's novel when I was a kid about spiders that I still think about. Oh my God. She wrote poetry. She wrote a memoir. She, she retired and wrote a novel. And so I always, I, that meant the world to me growing mm. up. And I always wanted my kids to know, yes, I'm your mother and you're everything to me, mm-hmm. but your mother also is this person. And that, mm-hmm. that was just major for me about my mother. What did it look like? Like, would she be in the, in the living room with you? Would she go upstairs? Like how, how did it actually work on a, you know, I, when, when I, she was doing it? I think she did it when we were napping or asleep or something, mm. but she, she, I remember her reading it to us and she had these typewritten pages. I re, like, I can feel them like that, mm-hmm. that thin paper that you, you know, mm-hmm. she used a typewriter and it was called spider song was that novel that about spiders. Um, and 
I thought it was brilliant. I mean, it, it stayed with me to this day, the feeling that it gave me that, you know, like eerie, um, fairy tale feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't, you know, like she, like, I remember seeing her. sew. I remember seeing her like always crafting, always cooking, baking, um, just a very like creative person. Um, but she had this other, it, it just showed me this, like, this other side of her that to me was, was crucial, you know, was um, just like made her almost into like a four dimensional human. Mm -hmm. um, and I want my children, not only do I want them to know that about me, but I want them to have my words one day, you know, mm -hmm. like I, not in a cocky pompous way, mm. but just to sort of get to know me, you know, um, because that's how, you know, I mean, that's, that was precious to me with my mom and still is, you know, so. Yeah, no, that's, that's, when was the last time you, you read that when you read, I mean, was it when you were a girl or have you? She, I asked her to send it to me and she couldn't find it. <sighs> I know. Um, so I, I, maybe she just did a major move. So maybe I'll ask her if she found it when she was packing, but I know. And um, yeah, so amazing but you touched on something that i thought it was very interesting and, and important because i i did work i did have a job of course up until, yeah up until i had my second child and then i had mm -hmm. the opportunity to stay home right i thought i would be i thought i would hate but i actually really love oh you thought um, you would hate it oh first? yeah oh i was terrified i would literally ask strangers like what do you think i should do <laughs> That should makes I, sense to me. Yeah. I stay home. Should I go back to work? Cause mm -hmm. I had been working since I was 16. Mm -hmm. Staying home felt like, like terrifying to me, but I, I did work um, all through writing my first uh, three books, three, four books. Um, yeah. First four books. Um, and I remember when I was in grad school, people wanting to, become teachers and so, or mm -hmm. become professors. And mm -hmm. I very much did not want that. And I remember one of my professors saying to me, if you want to write, don't teach. Mm -hmm. I heard that too. It was all, it would be all consuming. You wouldn't have time for your own work. And I just wasn't that interested in it. I wanted mm -hmm. a job like you're saying, I wanted mm -hmm. a job that I could go to mm -hmm. and I could leave there. Yeah. You know? Yep. Absolutely. But like my whole thing was, you know, I heard the same thing from professors, like, you know, just how much time is going to be spent with other people's work that you're going to, to teach well, you're going to have to consider, uh, you know, you're going to have to bring your everything to it and, you know, really show up for these students. And that's going to suck a lot of your writing brain and energy. But at the same time, I was like, well, you're doing it. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? It, it's right? like, my, my, yeah, I mean, my thing was, it's almost, it's like one of those things, like you're in the club and you're telling me this, but it's like, I want to be in the club. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, and then, yeah, I thought I wanted to teach. I mean, that was the whole thing why I got an MFA. I was like, I want to teach. Because um, so many of my favorite writers, you know, had taught and ended up in some like Midwestern college or whatever. And I was like, that sounds great. But then I didn't think about like, how you actually, if you want to have a family, how you could support a family as an adjunct, be willing to move around, you know, job to job until you maybe 
have the opportunity at some kind of tenure track pipe dream or something like it seemed like the people who were able to do it were so few and I didn't really see a path to do it and have health insurance quickly. Mm-hmm. And so I started doing what I'm still doing seven, eight years later, just a manager at a grocery store, which, and yeah, but I do think that there maybe is truth to, if you want to write, divorce yourself from it in some of your, your day thinking, because yeah, I know, you know, yeah. I like I know plenty of people who teach and and write and oh, totally. have great careers. Of course. But for me, I remember um getting advice at one point that I needed to be on the same schedule as Ben, who's my now my husband. Back then mm-hmm. he was my boyfriend. Um because I was working at a bookstore and I would work, you know, till midnight or whatever and he was a teacher. So it was basically like we never saw each other and mm-hmm. that was like the best advice I ever got really? in terms of, in terms of getting, it, it just meant so much that we were in sync in that way. Like we mm. went to work at the same time. We came home at the same time. Um, because like while this, all this other stuff starts like getting chaotic in your mm-hmm. life, you still have like this, like this base routine. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's like, it scared me the things that you're mentioning the idea that, you know, that you could work so, so hard and you, and nothing would be guaranteed. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, you just kind of, it's feast or famine, I think, you know? Right. And I had the opportunity to work somewhere where I was writing, not, not in a, you know, not writing fiction, but writing in a creative way. Mm-hmm. Um, so I felt like, and I was in the same, you know, schedule as my, um, as my now husband. So it just, you know, it made sense. Now I, I get the opportunity every once in a while to teach workshops online mm-hmm. and I love it. Totally. And I, I feel so lucky to get to do that. Um, but you know, it just, it wasn't, I wanted something that like, this is my job. And now mm-hmm. that's, I've left for the day and now I'm, you know, going to write or I'm going to whatever, you know, mm-hmm. um, now the job that I have mother, Mm-hmm. stay-at-home mother you don't get to do that you don't my mm-hmm. my day starts at 6 a.m when my kids bust in and say can we go downstairs and watch spongebob mm-hmm. the answer <laughs> is yes <laughs> absolutely uh and it ends you know when they finally go to sleep at 7 30 8 o'clock at night mm-hmm. um and in a weird way i remember reading um someone asked ann tyler who's one of my favorite authors do you feel like you weren't able to do as much as you could have if you had not been a mother. You know, there's, I feel like that argument comes up every once in a while. Yeah. Um, you know, writers. And, and I think it's a real thing that, that we all struggle with that, we, you know, especially during this pandemic. Absolutely. Um, and she said that might be true, but it, it wouldn't have been as she said something like her writing wouldn't have been as, as, layered or deep or sweet or I can't remember what word she used but it was that motherhood sort of gave her this other glimpse in into this like other layer of life that she found really helpful and useful mm-hmm. as she was writing and you know I, I feel like there's a million caveats because some mm-hmm. of my favorite writers and never have children so totally. it's like I'm not saying none of us are saying you need to have children in order to be a writer but I of course do not. yeah as as I said earlier, it made me feel like 
like I, I was a child until I had a child. Mm-hmm. It, it really, because I think that I, I was immature. I was um, shallow and, and you have to sort of surrender yourself as a parent over and over and over again and widen and widen and widen your boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me that has made, um, that's made that like weird is the word liminal. I want to use sure, the word yeah. liminal. Yeah, that, absolutely. That feeling that you're in the present, but you're also in your past and in your mm-hmm. future, which is sort of like this aching nostalgia, but mm-hmm. for maybe even something that you don't know, mm-hmm. that only intensified that for me. And that feeling is the thing I chase when I write. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and in addition to the fact that parenthood, you know, it's... Uh, a, a giver of emotion, I would say. And that's yeah. both on, on the good side of things and the bad side of things. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, as you're talking and you mentioned Ann Tyler and what she said, I thought of, I, I, this is a paraphrasing now, but I remember there's that Alice Monroe thing where she was, I think she was writing basically during naps early on. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you think about who Alice Monroe is and you read those stories and like, the fact that she was getting that done early on while the kids were sleeping is like, I have to swear, but that's the best fucking thing in the world. Like yeah. that, that like, what is better than that? That she was able to write the stories that she wrote and, and raise kids and start like that. I mean, that's, I don't know that I, I'm going to have to fact check after this, but I'm pre- I, I feel like I read that somewhere where she was like, that's why she didn't write novels early on mm. was because, yeah, she's like, well, I didn't have time because, you know, Junior's going to wake up. But yeah, yeah, I can remember putting my middle child, this was last, last year. Now he doesn't take a nap anymore. Mm. <laughs> Brutal. Oh, my God. Oh, God, why? <laughs> um, but I remember putting him down for naps last year as I was writing the book that I read from. And telling him you have to go to sleep because mommy has to do her writing (laughs) and just being very upfront about it. I have work to do. Mm -hmm. And I, and I tell them that, you know, and I, I really do treat it like work Mm -hmm. that I have to do, even though nobody, you know, is, there's no deadline for me right now. There's nothing. I treat it like an absolute must because it is, it is, you know, if I, if I'm not working on something, it's like you said, it's, it's, it's just part of me that isn't active and that's no way to live, you know? It's, Absolutely. Um, and it is like the moment in my life where it's, where I can um, really surprise myself, you mm-hmm. know, still surprise myself. Mm-hmm. So I'd be interested to hear like, okay, so today we're recording on a Sunday. Did you get writing done today? And if so, like what, how did you fit it in today or not? Or like, you know, on a, on a, like a typical day, how, what does it actually look like when you're, when you're getting it done? Yeah. I love talking about this and I love hearing about other people's. So Mm -hmm. I want to hear yours after this, but, um, no, I didn't get any work done today. Weekends are crazy busy and you would think that they would be, um, like days of rest, but they're not because, (laughs) um, nobody has school, you know, and, and, um, and like I said, two of my three don't nap. So, you know, we're just like filling the day as much as we can. We're going outside. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, whatever. Um, On the rare occasions that like one of them falls asleep, 
I will. I'll bring out, I'll break my laptop out and try to get some work done. Mm -hmm. But my schedule right now um, is different than it was pre-pandemic when I had a, you know, a child in school all day, another child, both of my other children would nap. So I would write during nap time. I wrote my whole, the novel I just read from, I wrote during nap times. Mm -hmm. Now the time that I have is um, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, my middle child has preschool and I take him to preschool and it's two and a half hours. And I sit in the parking lot outside of his preschool and I write in my car. Um, And he because my, my youngest is napping and my oldest is in virtual school. Um, and I feel really grateful for that time. I feel, you know, I, I, I feel very um, dedicated and clever and excited for that time. Hell yeah. But I also can step away from it and think like, oh man, <laughs> like, ouch. But yeah. I don't know. I'm getting work done. That's all that matters. It's, it's painstaking though. Like I my usual word count goal for my, for writing would be a thousand words every day. Oh, you think of it in those terms? Yeah, I do. Cause that's, that's, that's how I feel like I'm meeting a goal, right? Like, mm-hmm. I'm, so if I, so then I, you know, and, and if I go over a thousand fine, if I, whatever, but mm-hmm. now I can really only do 500 words mm-hmm. and it's 500 words every other day. And so it's mm-hmm. just like painstakingly slow. And then I got really sick. I did not have COVID, but I was sick. Um, and then some other stuff happened. So I wasn't able to write for a few weeks, maybe even a month. And, and ugh, it's just taking forever. Mm-hmm. What about you? So it's, uh, so when I'm, my work schedule is, is kind of strange in that my start of my work week, I'm working late, late. And then it kind of, as my week progresses, I work super early in the morning. And then my Friday, which is tomorrow, Monday, I work a split shift because since the pandemic started, um, my youngest is, our youngest is four months old as of a day or two ago. And my oldest is two and a half. So they're, they're tiny, tiny. And we didn't feel comfortable putting them in daycare. And so my wife and I, Britt and I, it's, it's, you know, like a lot of people are doing, it's basically just a handoff when her work, she's worked from home. And so, um, when, you know, when I'm, when I'm home, obviously the girls are with me and her work schedule was able to her, you know, her job was compliant enough where they could kind of move up her hours a little bit or shift them back to kind of make our two work schedules fit like a jigsaw. Mm -hmm. And so the, so tomorrow, you know, I start work at, I work 4am to 7am. I'll come home, I'll watch the girls all day. And then I go, back to work at six and I work six to 10. And um, so I will come home, I will take a shower and I will write for a half an hour. And I'm not, I'm not like, I, I have never been a word count person. I haven't been like a watch the clock person. I just will do it until I'm dis- distracted or not interested or it's not working. And usually that's probably about a half an hour on a night like that. And then on my weekend, which is Tuesday and Wednesday, um, I'm still with the girls obviously, but um, when they go to bed, our oldest goes to bed. I almost don't want to say it out loud because it's so early that it's like a blessing. So I'm not going to say it out loud. But when she, yeah. When she goes to bed and hopefully she stays in bed, which isn't always the case. Um, I'll write for an hour, hour and a half after dinner and I will leave the 
usually we're kind of downstairs watching TV with our youngest. Um, I will go upstairs and sit in the bedroom and write for an hour, hour and a half. And so probably over the course of week, I'm writing only four or five hours, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but when I get an hour or an hour and a half, I can get so much done. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it wasn't that way before I was a parent. Um, I always was like someone who was getting stuff done, but, or, you know, to, to (laughs) what I consider getting stuff done. And, but since kids, it's just like, you don't have, if you want to do it, you don't have a choice. It's just, it's just charge forward. Let's go. Um, so yeah, an hour and a half or like you were saying, you know, like a two and a half hour chunk is like, okay, let's, that's awesome. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a lot to work with. It's like, I can fill that time, man. Oh, totally. You know, yeah. like I can do it. Like, mm-hmm. and, and, and before I had kids, I, you know, like I would either, I would say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. So then I would have to do work. Um, mm. or, or I would just, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? Well, that was advice I got from another professor in order to sort of build your community out of grad school. Mm. You just were supposed to say yes to your friends, like your friend putting on a reading or your friend putting on a show or your friend asking for something for some journal. You were just supposed to say yes. And so I did, I, I, that's how I, you know, like sort of started out of grad school. But then I just continued that because that was a way that I knew I was going to keep generating new work. Because if someone asked me for a story, I told myself it had to be new every single time. Mm. And so, like, I didn't do a reading unless it was a new story. And I was doing multiple readings a week. So I was, like, getting work done. Because mm-hmm. I was terrified that if I didn't put those pre- that pressure on me that I wouldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, I'm terrified that I'm a lazy person. So mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. fight against that as much as possible. Um, this is going to sound terrible, but... I know that I'm not lazy and I'm sure you know that you're not lazy, but I am terrified of people thinking I'm lazy. Yeah. I actually, it's like way more. <laughs> if, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel like any parent who's ha- even half engaged and also, you know, whatever has other, anything else going on, you're not lazy. And, but for some reason, if someone was to say that to me, it would crush me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I, I, when I wake up in the morning and the boys go watch SpongeBob and I make their breakfast I make my dog her breakfast. I make the mm-hmm. coffee. I make my own breakfast. And then I sit and I read and drink mm. my coffee. And I, it's wonderful. But then at the end of every day, I feel guilty about it. Mm. And I think it's that. It's, you know, like I should have been doing something else. I should have, I could use that time for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, uh, I think those moments are where you can grab them are essential because otherwise, you're just a machine, you know, mm-hmm. like you just work, 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 work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. And I love hearing you say any of this out loud. It's it, it helps me so much just to hear another parent say some of that stuff. And I mean, I think that's kind of why you and I wanted to do this really. It's just like, you don't hear a lot of people or actually I take that back. I saw a hell of a lot of tweets that are about this and I would be like screenshotting them and texting them to you on your mm-hmm. Twitter hiatus. But you know, there were so many I would send you and be like, look, these people are like, feel exactly the same way when we're talking about this stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it's, it's so helpful to see <laughs> a different kind of struggle. Uh, it's cause it's going to be struggle no matter which 
way you try and do this, but I don't know. I think a lot of people are trying to struggle in the same way we are, but it can be nice just to hear that that's the case. Yeah. I think, you know, it feels like you're in a vacuum, right? It feels like mm-hmm. you're not doing it right, or you should be doing it right. another way or, or mm-hmm. what you're doing doesn't matter. Uh, but it does, you know, and like, as long as you're doing it, then you're not doing it wrong, you know? Right. Totally. Is that the end? I don't know. Uh, That's our show for today. We are excited to talk to a bunch of um, writers, but buttheads is what we've been calling them. Buttheads. Absolutely. Remember I said that um, I was a child until I had children. (laughs) <laughs> now I'll, I, I'm an adult who talks about butts a lot because if you're seven and three quarters, butts are the best. Anyway, um, thank you guys for listening. We're excited to to talk t- more about this. Um, and just want to send a special thank you to my mother-in-law, Sue Brockett, Dr. Sue Brockett, um, because she bought Alex and I microphones so that you could hear our beautiful dulcet tones um, in a professional manner. Thank you, Sue. Thank you, Sue. And also just thank you to Max Loop for our music. We love it. Thanks, Max. Bye, y'all. Bye.